recording this, I feel like I'm going to throw up. I've recorded this so many times. I feel like I just need to do it. So, hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Supernaturally Curious. I'm your host, Peyton Stewart. And if you are new here, then welcome to Supernaturally Curious. I just want to take a quick moment to thank my overseas viewers. I think you guys are amazing. I check my analytics like a crazy person and I do see you guys. So if you're new here, I do just want to give you a little bit of a forewarning that this will contain elements of death and suicide. If you feel like you're not comfortable with listening to that, it would greatly benefit you to go ahead and follow and check back for later episodes. You can also follow Supernaturally Curious's Instagram. That's going to be supernaturally underscore curious 013. So anyways, we're going to be talking about Ed and Lorraine Warren this episode, and it's super fun because I love them. They were real people. And whether you believe in the paranormal or not, honestly, you cannot even deny that these were not real people. So, Ed and Lorraine Warren are, are two very famous paranormal investigators and demonologists. They were both born in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Ed was born in 1926 and Lorraine was born in 1927. Unlike Lorraine, Ed was exposed to the paranormal at a very young age. He was 5 to 12 to be exact and he was convinced that he consistently heard knocking sounds, footsteps, and voices calling out as well as a very common occurrence of seeing shadows. His father, however, said to him that there was a logical explanation for everything. And then, as I like to say, first step is denial because he never gave him one. I didn't have a ton on Lorraine. I'm not really sure why I didn't look more into this. Honestly, this was a very last minute episode. I didn't want to talk about the things that I already had listed, but Lorraine is allegedly a clairvoyant psychic who can speak to spirits. And Ed and Lorraine did meet eventually in 1944. She told TonySpare.com that, quote, I didn't see the slender young man. I physically saw Ed as a grown man that I would eventually marry. The two did get married a year later in 1945 and had one child named Judy. So Ed ended up going to Pierre College of Art in Hamden, but despite that, he couldn't let go of his fascination with the paranormal. So he would find haunted places, sketch them, hand the sketches to Lorraine, and then she'd knock, be like, hey, love your house. They'd get inside and then start asking questions about the hauntings of the house. So that is all I have on them. Again, I will definitely go into detail on a later episode. I am recording this at 7.42, um, so I'm supposed to release this in about 12 hours, and I would love to get some sleep tonight, so this is going to be a relatively short episode compared to episode one, which was literally like a whopping 30 minutes. That was crazy. Literally having to edit all that made me want to... um. How do I say this? Throw myself off the Golden Gate Bridge. But anyways, so we're going to talk about the Amityville Horror House because that is probably one of the most famous paranormal hoaxes. And I thought that their their uh, take on the case was really interesting. So on November 13th, 1974, the house was a scene of a mass murder in which a man named Ronald J. DeFeo Jr. killed his whole family with a 35 Marlin rifle which included his four siblings and two parents. 13 months later, the Lutz family moved into the house, and it's a very important detail that George Lutz, the stepfather, had a very bad habit of dabbling in the occult. So, um, keep that in mind. George said that he'd often wake up around 3.15 a.m., which is coincidentally the time of the murders. The family also claimed to smell strange odors, see strange green slime oozing from the cracks of the house, and cold spots. 
but only in certain places which is really typical the temp like quick temperature change when spirits are around but due to all of this they did call a priest and he did come to the house to bless it i believe he came to bless primarily the sewing room because i think that that was their worst room and that's where they were having the most problems he heard a voice say get out and then felt a slap and then told the family to never go into that room. So there were also several other things that the Lutzes claimed happened. Uh, well, George mainly. George was claiming a lot of this happened. So door slamming in the middle of the night. Apparently, his wife physically transformed into an old woman in the middle of the night and he was paralyzed while she was transforming. Knives were falling in the kitchen randomly. George also said that he saw a pig-like creature with red eyes staring at him and his son Daniel. He also apparently woke up one night to Kathy, his wife, levitating off the bed, the same happening with their sons Daniel and Christopher, as well as ripped off doors, cabinets, seeing demonic faces, and swarms of insects bothering the family. So eventually, as you can imagine, like any sane person would, they left the house, leaving all of their possessions behind. There is a lot of skepticism on the house. As I said before, it is known to be one of the very famous paranormal hoaxes. But George and Kathy did pass a lie detector test about the house. The family had a lot of legal and financial issues, so it's theorized that this whole thing was literally just a story that they could use to bring in money. But, like, isn't half of the things it's made up nowadays? So, the Lutz's former lawyer also came out saying that they made this story up over, quote, many bottles of wine, close quote. Their son, Daniel, also said that the house gave him nightmares and ruined his life. So, I'm sorry about that, Daniel. That kind of sucks. Christopher also had something very interesting to say. Going back to my remarks about George being very into the occult, he said that George's interest in the occult invited dark and mysterious forces into their lives. Although he was seven at the time, he said that the books and movies have stretched their experiences to a point of fiction, which happens a lot nowadays. It's like Hollywood magic. They can like take real things and totally like stretch it to points of fiction. It's really fun. I love it so much. Hollywood, if you could stop doing that, though, that'd be great. So what do the Warrens have to do with all of this? Well, they visited the house, of course, because it is haunted and where haunted is, they love to go. So Lorraine said that she was picking up bad vibes the whole time and Ed was apparently attacked by an invisible force. He said it was like if someone put a hot, wet wool blanket over him and tried to choke him and knock him to the floor. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say haunted. Don't even have to read anymore. It's it's that choking. Usually it's demons. Demons will make you feel that, that kind of choking feeling, which is really interesting in all of the stories that I've read. So definitely haunted. And what was really interesting too is that the guy who murdered his family, he really went back and forth with saying that like he was hearing voices telling him to do it. Like he literally went back and forth. He, he would like say oh yeah the voices were telling me and then he would go and be like no i was lying and then he'd like go back to being like there were voices in the house telling me i needed to do this and no it was literally so weird but um so that is why you don't that that's why you shouldn't buy houses that are crime scenes very self-explanatory so next we're going to move on to the arnold estate also known as the conjuring house it's very interesting it's not that interesting if you watch all the movies and i <laughs> you probably don't need to hear me talk about this but there is a lot in the movies that they do get wrong such as the exorcism part but i'll get to that in a minute so this story actually starts with like one family obviously named the parents it doesn't start there but it's like sort of how it got known so cameron Carolyn and Roger Perrin 
and their five daughters moved into the Arnold estate home in January of 1971. Immediately after they moved in, they started to notice strange things. It started off really small, like typical stuff that you would barely notice, like scraping against a kettle, random piles of dirt on a freshly cleaned floor, the broom going missing, or getting moved. Um, the girls began to notice the spirits around the house. For the most part, they were pretty chill, besides the few who weren't. According to Andrea, one of the daughters of the Karen family, some of the spirits smell like rotten flesh and would cause the bed to rise off the floor so i'm gonna classify that as a not so chill spirit she also said that when her father would enter the basement a cold stinking presence would enter behind them so they did love to stay away from the basement but heating would go out and somebody had to go down there i'm personally glad that i don't have a basement because everything is always in the basement and so that's why i will never buy a house with a basement so carolyn the mom of the family searched the house one day to find out that eight generations of the same family had lived there before them but a lot of them had died pretty tragic deaths so some of the so several of the family members drowned in a nearby creek one of them was murdered allegedly murdered wasn't official there's not a ton of evidence but allegedly murdered by a person named Bathsheba, again, or so we think. So Mrs. Arnold, oh, also Mrs. Arnold apparently hung herself in the barn in 19, not 19, oh my gosh, 1797. It's a little hard to read. I think I've gone over this script like four times and deleted every single one. So she was 93 when she did that, which I feel like I'd cap it off at 93 too, to be honest. But let's talk about Bathsheba Sherman. She was a real person, but despite her haunting in the house, she didn't actually live on the Arnold estate. She lived a mile down the road at the Sherman estate. She was alive during the mid-1800s with being born in 1812 and dying in 1885. She was rumored to be a Satanist and a witch who was sacrificing children for youth and beauty, which is how the rumor came up that she was allegedly involved in the murder of a child. So here's what she did in the murder. Apparently, or so a lot of people thought back then, she took a needle and she like stabbed it into the newborn's head and it like killed it immediately. Sorry, I feel like I just saw something out of the corner of my eye. When I'm recording, I'm really on edge because of the stuff that I'm talking about. So I'm like constantly, my closet's open right now. So I have a million trust issues. So anyways, the reason why people think that that happened is because allegedly, apparently, if you are in the house, you'll like feel that, like you'll feel pinpricks, but it could just be that you expect something to happen, so it happens, like you trick your brain into making it happen. That could be the deal with a lot of this stuff, but I will talk about that in a later episode. She died due to a stroke and was actually paralyzed, then slowly died. She was buried in a nearby Baptist cemetery down in downtown Harrisville. The Warrens did visit a few times in the span of one year. I think they visited like six times. Lorraine made several attempts to talk to the spirits, and during the visit, she actually picked up Bathsheba as a malevolent spirit. But it was actually speculated that Mrs. Arnold, the woman who hung herself in the barn when she was 93, was the malevolent spirit because there was an entity that was basically challenging Caroline, the mother. Andrea, our favorite parent, said whoever the spirit was, she perceived herself to be the mistress of the house and she resented the competition that my mother posed. At one point, Lorraine did perform a legit seance, but during the seance, Caroline Perrin, again the mother, became possessed and started to speak in tongues, rising from her chair off the ground. Andrea witnessed the whole event and she said, quote, I thought I was going to pass out. My mother began to speak a language not of this world and a voice not her own. Her chair levitated and she was thrown across the room, close quote. 
In the Conjuring movies, it was shown that Ed performed an exorcism, not a seance, but Lorraine said that they would never attempt to do this because of the fact that it did have to be done by a Catholic priest. After the session, Roger kicked out the Warrens because he was worried about Carolyn's mental stability. According to Andrea, the family did continue to live in the house due to financial instability and ended up moving at which the spirit became quiet and the haunting ceased, but only for a little bit. Before they left, though, Andrea wondered if the spirits would miss them, and Cindy, her little sister, said, quote, No, they're trapped in there. If they could have gone with us when we left, they would have, because they loved us. Close quote. At that point, throw the whole child away. Don't need it. No, not at all. Apparently, there were also... It's, it's speculated. Okay, there were... There were apparently eight dead soldiers buried on the property. It's not official. Um, I've seen, I've watched quite a bit of YouTube videos. My, like, whole day is, like, hours of YouTube while I'm doing school. And, which I should not be saying, do your, do your schoolwork, pay attention. But, obviously, I have that extra time. And so, I've, like, watched a ton of YouTube videos and it's all, like, said the same thing, that there's soldiers buried there. I couldn't actually find anything on Google, so it must be, like, kind of a, a hidden kind of fact. But that was pretty cool. Especially because when people are doing the kind of playback or like seances there is always stuff and it was really cool during the the sam and colby conjuring house video which was so cool oh my gosh you guys need to go watch it it's not their most recent one but they did it with a psychic named amanda and she like said that she was like seeing soldiers and she was like talking to them and they were like men in like uniforms or whatever it's been a while since i've seen that video but honestly super interesting and after this you should totally go check it out i mention them a lot because i talk about a lot of places that they've been to that they've been to that they're english we also have a story about a child there was a little boy named olive oliver richardson who april one of the daughters befriended that's all we know about him uh there was also apparently a birthing room not really sure why i had to mention that it's just kind of in my notes uh i think it was this small closet in the attic sort of that women would have their babies in again not sure why it's in my notes not sure why i felt it was important to mention it's it's fine it's whatever so there's also also there's a sandbox near that where the ghosts will like draw things and spell things out i also thought that was really interesting then in the basement there's like a drawing of this lady with a broken neck we're all pretty sure that that's mrs arnold if you search up the bent neck lady from Hill House, which is literally my favorite ghost show ever, it's basically what it looked like. I'm pretty sure on Sam and Colby's video, they did show like bent neck lady fan art to like show what it kind of looks like. But anyways, if you if you go watch Hill House, please do. It's like TVMA, but it's literally such a good show. So anyways, this episode was really short because I do not have a lot of time. I really wish that I went into more detail, but I am exhausted. I drank a monster and it's just like... I'm, I'm in that crashing phase right now, so I really hope that you guys did enjoy this episode despite my lack of energy, because I did put this off to the last minute. But it was really nice. Um, I really just almost said it was really nice seeing you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It means a lot. Again, if you could go follow Supernaturally Curious's Instagram, it's supernaturally underscore curious 013, or even just follow this podcast. It'll mean a lot, and it'll help me reach a bigger audience, so maybe people who are interested in the paranormal can come see this and listen to it. Anyways, again, it was really nice. Thank you for listening, and this is Peyton Stewart signing off. Stay curious, and bye.
Hey guys, so this clip is not edited at, at all. This is actually like editor Peyton here. I know, I know, I know. I said bye, but um, this does have to be released in eleven hours. I'm sorry, it was a very rushed episode. I was really busy with school this week, and I know I don't have to explain myself to you guys. But the next episode will hopefully be a lot better than this one. My voice is also absolutely dead, as you can probably hear. It's been a really busy week. Um, but again, I'm sorry. It's It wasn't very edited. I didn't make a ton of jokes, and I sounded dead the entire time. But um, I really hope that you guys did enjoy it. And I just wanted to say thank you again for everybody who's been supporting me. It's been really amazing. And <laughs> those are my final remarks. So I hope you have an amazing rest of your day, night, wherever, and I will see you guys for the next one.